This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, November 10th, 2014. I'm Caleb Brown. Bitcoin's power lies in part in its decentralization. Kevin Dowd at the Cato Institute's annual monetary conference last week said that decentralization is unlikely to persist. And he believes Bitcoin is an experiment that ultimately will fail. This is a portion of his remarks. Um, Bitcoin's a type of e-cash system, so there's no central body to authorize transactions, just the network to validate them. And it's this competition between Bitcoin miners that maintains the integrity of the system. So this leads us to Bitcoin's value proposition as follows. I've summarized it in this slide. The first point is that the system does not depend on trust, just distributed trust. The second point is it has no single point of failure, so it cannot be brought down by knocking out any particular entity. The third point is a high degree of anonymity. So bottom line here is the Bitcoin is a dream come true for anarchist criminals and proponents of private money. There's also a strong element of incentive compatibility, and underlying that, the security comes from the, the Bitcoin protocol, which is like the constitution of the system. So these features ensure that players play by the rules and that Bitcoins are not overissued. However, there's a fundamental contradiction in the system, and that is that it requires atomistic competition on the part of the miners, but the mining industry is characterized by large economies of scale. In fact, they are so large that the, the industry is a natural monopoly. And obviously, atomistic competition and a natural monopoly are inconsistent. The inbuilt centralization tendencies of the one mean that the, the firms in the industry will get bigger and bigger until effectively there is an actual monopoly. Now, the two reasons uh, to believe this, the first is based on risk aversion. If two miners merge their operations, they get the same expected return but they obtain a return with a higher probability. So that means if it's, it's worthwhile for any two miners to converge, it's worthwhile for any group of miners to converge. We end up with a single miner. The second reason is even stronger, and that is the negative externalities of Bitcoin competitive mining. The point here is the bottom line is that individual miners do not take into account the negative cost externalities of their, that their own mining activities impose on other miners. So you get an equilibrium in which there's excessive resources devoted to mining, excessive bandwidth, excessive energy, excessive investment in computing resources. To give an idea of this, in the early days, a home PC could produce hundreds of Bitcoins a day. By the early days, I mean two or three years ago. Uh, that's ancient history. But now an advanced mining computer can, can expect to mine only a fraction of a Bitcoin a day. So we estimate that the energy power devoted to Bitcoin mining has increased by a factor of over 10 billion. Bear in mind that most of the system uh, could be maintained on a single server. So most of this is waste. Now the implications of these centralizing tendencies are totally destructive. They destroy every single element of its value proposition. So one by one, all the dominoes fall down. So first off, decentralized trust. Once the individual miners coalesce into a dominant player, then that entity has control over the system. It decides which transactions are to be deemed valid and which are not. We then have to trust that entity not to abuse its system. And we're back to the old trust model that Bitcoin tried to escape from. If we go back to the island of stone money, imagine if everyone woke up one morning unable to remember who owned what stones. But then one helpful individual offers to remember for everybody. So you imagine how well that would work. 
So by this point, the dominant player has taken control and it becomes the monarch of the system. Still a constitutional monarch because you still have the protocol. Once that player, dominant player emerges, it becomes a point of failure for the system as a whole. So one could imagine Uncle Sam being very interested. If he wanted, he could now take Bitcoin down and stop all that money flowing to the bad guys. <clears throat> Think of Islamic State. The next casualty is anonymity. A dominant player cannot possibly operate in a clandestine manner beyond the reach of law enforcement. This means it can't escape regulation. And the likelihood is that the government would destroy anonymity at a stroke by requiring that that player insist that users register themselves by providing photo ID, etc., etc. The next casualty is incentive compatibility. Well, I would simply make the point that the system never really was fully incentive compatible, but it's taken a, a considerable time for these problems to, to become clear. And the final domino would be the Bitcoin protocol, because the protocol would no longer provide a discipline because the dominant player can rewrite it at will. And so just like a modern central bank, it would start throwing bits of the protocol out that it didn't like, like the bits that constrain the overissue of Bitcoin. And then the system would become an absolute monarchy, assuming that there was anybody left in the system by then. So the question that's crying out for an answer is why users of Bitcoin would continue to have any confidence in the system uh, when every single element of its value proposition had been kicked down. And I would assert that the obvious answer is that they wouldn't. And remember also that the willingness of any individual to accept Bitcoin is entirely dependent on confidence that other people will accept it. There's, there's no intrinsic value here. These are not like gold or tulips. Nor is there any rational reason to trust a dominant player. Trust comes from credible assurances, credible pre-commitment, a willingness to submit to account and all that sort of stuff. So the dominant player in the, the dominant mining pool is an outfit called GHash. It, and I'd like to give you a snapshot of its um, web page. Now, it announces that it's the number one mining pool. It is trusted by 300K users and dates all the way back to late last year. <laughs> we, don't, we don't know who it, who's behind it or even where it's based. What we do know is it has a logo that looks like the hammer and sickle, and it has a bad reputation. It pointedly refuses to adhere to the principles of high-level Bitcoin idealism that the other players adhere to. So I find this all very reassuring. Now, this might be coincidence, forgive me if I'm unfair here, but um, it shares its name with this character. Ghash is a character from Ghostbusters. Now, this might be a coincidence, or it might be just that the guys behind have got a good sense of humor. In the film, Ghash is a power-obsessed poltergeist who pulls the other ghosts into a, a, a big mouth in his stomach. They get drained of their power, and he gets bigger and bigger. So by the time the Ghostbusters encounter him, he becomes too powerful to control. He was able to shoot beams from his eyes, pull up floorboards, disarm the team, and throw them around at will. So I put it to you that perhaps Ghash is a spectral entity in more ways than one. Now here's my point. John Pierpont Morgan once said that the essence of banking is character. Someone I do not trust would not get any money from me on all the bonds in Christendom, he said. We don't see much of that character here. And if you really trust such an outfit, we have a bridge to sell you. In any case, there's no reason to want to trust such an outfit when you can use reputable systems like PayPal. So to, turn to return back to the storyline, the whole system eventually becomes a house of cards. 
There's nothing within the system to maintain confidence in the system and anything, a scandal, a government attack, anything that could trigger a loss of confidence and bring the whole system down. So I would assert that the rational decision is to sell before that happens, if enough people think the same way, and I would say, why shouldn't they? Then expectations will become self-fulfilling, there'll be a stampede, the price of Bitcoin will collapse to zero, and the whole system will collapse. I would say it's only a question of when. And with the spectre of Ghash hovering over the system, our guess is soon, but we might be wrong. Now, I dare say our message is a disappointment to Bitcoiners. I share that disappointment. It would have been great if Bitcoin could displace government money. However, Bitcoin's an experiment. Most experiments fail, and Bitcoin, I believe, will be another failed experiment. Now, I don't wish it so, but that's the way I think it is. Now, we make this prediction before the event, and if we're wrong, been wrong many times, we'll eat humble pie. But we don't think so. There's also... I mean, most Bitcoiners I've communicated to are very reasonable people, but there is a lunatic fringe. Their response to even the mildest criticism is, to be frank, to form at the mouth and hurl abuse at wicked disbelievers. To them, we simply say, oh, do grow up. And if you won't listen to us, take Voltaire's advice. To succeed in life, it's not enough to be stupid. You also have to have good manners. <laughs> <laughs> In the meantime, Bitcoin is a sell. Thank you. Kevin Dowd is an adjunct scholar at the Cato Institute. He spoke at Cato's 32nd Annual Monetary Conference held last week. You can watch or listen to the full conference at cato.org.